This ministry has been made available by Kenneth Higgins Rama Bible Training Center, Nigeria. A family where ancestral cause of poverty, etc., is real. As a believer, how do you set yourself free from its grip? And how can you help the other members of your family? How? Through knowledge. The Bible says, through knowledge shall the just be delivered. Through the knowledge of God's word. Through the knowledge of God's word. No matter how deep the poverty has been. Through knowledge of God's word. And the truth is that, you know, the Bible says, you are sometimes darkness. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Amen. Thank you, sir. The Bible says you are sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Listen, if you are born again, you are light. As well as a child of light. That you are in that family means that the end of that thing is over. Are you listening? When you got born again, God the Father delivered you from the authority of darkness. See, in that word, darkness is everything Satan is and has, including poverty. And you are translated into the kingdom of the son of God's love. So you are not going to be delivered. You are delivered already. All it takes is for you to know who you are in Christ. And let me tell you something. That will be the end of it. You see, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, from verse 14 to 16, the Bible says, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. It says, so what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? What part hath he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? It says, for ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them. I will walk in them. I will be their God. They shall be my people. You see, in that place, the individual believer is called he that believeth. The unbeliever is called an infidel. The individual believer is called righteousness. The unbeliever is called unrighteousness. The individual believer is called light. The unbeliever is called darkness. Incidentally, he that believeth, the individual believer is called Christ. Yes, I know it's all of us collectively that forms the body of Christ. The entire body of believers. But in that context, he was talking about the individual believer. He that believeth. Listen to Christ. Let me ask you something. Can ancestral cause of poverty reign over Christ? Just think about it. Just, just imagine that Jesus is saying, I'm struggling now. Is this ancestral cause of poverty? It has tied me down. Just the thought is, is ridiculous, isn't it? You see, as he is, so are we in this world. So once you know that you are not, it starts from you knowing who you are. When you know you are light, when you know your righteousness, amen. When you know you are a king, when you know that you reign, where will the poverty come from? Now, of course, there are natural tools we need to gather. There are things in this natural world that we need to know that will help us. But you see, when you, it starts most importantly with us knowing who we are in Christ, getting that knowledge in our spirit and then acting on it. Praise the Lord. Faith definitely works by love. Does the authority of the believer work the same way? Now, faith is involved in the exercise of authority. Are there sometimes you'll give the command of authority and the devil will do like he has hearing trouble or like he forgot his hearing aids at home? Yes, the devil sometimes does that. You'll speak the command of authority and he will do like he didn't hear you. What do you do at a time like that? Well, the Bible says where the word of a king is, Ecclesiastes 8, 4, there's power. Once you've spoken, just turn your back. It has to be carried out. You see, I don't bind the devil two times on the same thing. He will laugh at you. He will know you don't believe your authority. Once you have given... Now, I'm not talking about in a prayer of supplication. We keep praying for Nigeria every day and it's scriptural. I'm not talking about some situations where, well, what you bound the devil, what you, the trouble he was causing this time, is there from the trouble he was causing that time. Yes, you need to bind him the other time over the trouble he's causing the other time. But I'm talking about concerning the same situation. Once I've spoken, I've spoken. That's it. You say, but nothing has changed. I've spoken. Just like when Jesus caused the fig tree. 
It didn't look like anything changed. Mark 11 from verse 12. And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree afar of having leaves. He came if happily. Perhaps he might find anything thereon. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. The time of figs was not yet. Verse 14 says, And he answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. The Bible says, And his disciples heard it. Now, they were coming from Bethany. They were going to Jerusalem. They got to Jerusalem. And then he was done in Jerusalem and they went back to Bethany. They must have taken the same route in all probability. If that tree had changed, if nobody would have known Peter, I trust him. You know, but it didn't look like anything changed. But did Jesus say, you this tree, are you not the one I'm talking to? Listen to me now. Listen to me. Then you wonder who is the boss. Whether it's the tree or it's him. Well, you see, he spoke. He turned his back and walked away. It has to be carried out. So faith is involved in the exercise of authority. Once you've spoken in faith, just stay in faith. First Peter 5, 8 and 9 says, Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Says, whom resist steadfast in the faith. American Standard Version says, In your faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So you see, our faith has something to do with the exercise of authority. Once you speak in faith, you believe that the things you say shall come to pass. And that's it. It will come to pass. Okay, does the believer's authority work the same way? Yes, it does. For a man of God who does not portray love, how come also is his faith able to still heal people? Could it be fake? Okay, I'll explain that like this. Samson, was Samson living right? No, he wasn't. In fact, there was a time he went in into a harlot, and I don't think he went to preach there. Yeah. What did he go to do there? Your guess is as good as mine. He got done. They had locked the gate of the city on him. I'm not talking about the gate of the house. I'm not talking about the gate of the street. I'm not talking about the gate of the estate. I'm talking about the gate of a city. Not the gate of a village. The gate of a city. They locked it on him. He came. And what did he do? He didn't just open the gate. He carried the gate on his shoulder. And he went up a hill. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Are you listening? Amen. That's why you can't judge that somebody is obeying God by results, in quotes. You can't always judge. Those things are not necessarily an index that you are doing the right thing. But also, the, uh, the absence of them is not an excuse for us to be complacent. Are you listening? Now, God told Moses, he said, speak to the rock. The second time. What did Moses do? He struck the rock two times. Did he have results? Plenty of results. Water gushed out big time. But you see, he disobeyed God. So, God sometimes doesn't do some things because of us, ministers. Sometimes he does some things in spite of us. Yeah. Somebody might be believing his word. Brother Higgins said, Lord told him, when you left your last church, first Sunday in February 1949, was when you stepped into the first face of the ministry I had for you. He said, but Lord, you blessed me all that while I was pastoring. 11 years and 9 months. He said, yes, the reason I blessed you wasn't really because you were doing the right thing, was because you were putting out my word. And I will always honor my word. So, that's the thing. If someone will put out God's word, God will honor his word. Now, faith works by love, but this is what's going to happen. Somebody may seemingly be getting results for a while. If they are not exactly working in love like they should. But the time is going to come when that scripture, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sweareth, that shall he reap. That shall he reap. So, it will affect things eventually. You know, and... Besides, stop looking at another man of God. You see, you see, the Bible says, who are that that judges another man's servant? To his own master, he stands or falls. The Bible says, he shall be holding up. God is able to make him stand. Forget about this man of God, that man of God, the other man of God. We're talking to you. You know, we can come to church or come to Bible school with a shovel. Something he says, hey, that's what, is he here? Is he here? That's their own. That's, what, that's their own. It's not shovel. I'm talking to you. Amen. Let's take God's word personally. Forget about that man of God or this man of God. Whatever he's doing. Then besides, you don't, we don't always know all the details about certain things. You know? We don't always know all the details about certain things. And then remember what I said. That sometimes you can follow a man's faith, not his doctrine. Yeah. And God will. He's a gracious God. He's a gracious God. But I can tell you something. If somebody walks contrary to God's word on a consistent basis, there's going to be a payday for that. That's just the truth. Apart from living 
Apart from being a Bible training school, is Rema planning to start a church where people can worship God? The answer is no. We don't have that such a plan. We don't have such a plan. Now, one thing I've also learned is, I've learned never to say never. Hmm? But that we have this, no, we don't. We, we are not having any such plan. We haven't done that. We started in 2010. This is 2018. We, we, we've been in Abuja, we've been in Port Harcourt, we've been in Cardinal. We haven't done that. You know, we don't have such a plan. We don't have such a plan. You know, we don't have such a plan. However, I'll also say, I've learned never to say never. You know, when it comes to those things. We are not planning to do this. We don't have it here. For now, we don't see anything like that. Is that a good way to put it? Now, and I'll tell you something. One thing we are strong about is ethics. We will not violate you. We will not violate pastors. We will not violate churches. We will not do that. We're strong about that. Very strong about that. So we'll not do anything. You know, there, sometimes a fellow comes, they come with a name, they gather people from different places. After gathering them, they now just change it and then midway, they now put a... No, 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 we don't play those games. Because part of what we are teaching that we stand for is how to correct those kind of things. So we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. Are there some uh, countries where the rhema there, there is a, a church? Yes, there are. Like in Zambia, there's a church, Miracle Life Family Church. If you're a member, if you, are, if you go to Lusaka and worship in a church in Lusaka and you come to Rema, Zambia, you can't change church. You can't come to that church. You can't. You cannot. You must go to your own church. So we have those kind of rules, you know. So we don't, like I said, we don't have anything like that now. or and We're not thinking anything like that. But you see, I've also learned never to say never, you know. Uh, but if anything like that ever comes up, if it ever comes up, I can tell you something. We will always do the honorable thing. We will not, we will not, we will be ethical. We will be ethical. We are very strong about that. Very strong about that. We are not going to split anybody's church. We are not going to cause anybody trouble. We are not going to do any of that kind of stuff. We are going to walk in love. We are going to put the other person first. We are going to endeavor to be honorable to local churches, to pastors in the city. As a believer, no matter how unstable you are, inconsistent in faith, well, I didn't say that, but this person said that, you are still above the devil. Okay, even if you say inconsistent with faith, yes, you are still above the devil. If you are living in sin as a Christian, you still have authority over the devil. Now, you may not be in a place where you can exercise your authority. You see, the Bible says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, he'll flee from you. You can't resist the devil successfully if you're not submitted to God. So a Christian who is playing with sin, what's going to happen? Faith works by love. What does that mean? The more we understand the love God has for us, and we, the more we let that, the love God has for us flow through us to others, the easier it becomes for our faith to work. Amen. The easier it becomes for our faith to work. So, a believer who's not living right, his conscience will hurt him. He won't have confidence towards God. First John 3, 20 and 21. If our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knoweth all things. If our hearts condemn us not, then have we confidence towards God. You can't have confidence towards God if you're living in sin. You can't. Your conscience will hurt you. Your faith won't amount to a heal of beings. Are you listening? Fellowship is the mother of faith, is the parent of joy, is the source of victory. 1 Timothy 1.19 says, Holding faith and a good conscience, which some haven't put away concerning faith, have made a shipwreck. If you don't have a good conscience, if you're not living right, you won't have a good conscience. And if you don't have a good conscience, you're going to make a shipwreck of your faith. Now, but am I encouraging believers to live in sin? I'm not. I'm doing the opposite. However, it doesn't mean that it's, it's like now, somebody has a car. He has a car. The car is his own. But the person drives recklessly. Okay, that the person drives recklessly, does it stop him from owning the car? It's still his car. Because he's driving recklessly, they may not want him to drive the car and they may take his car keys from him. But he doesn't do it with the fact that the keys are his and the car is his. So we have authority over the devil. Every believer does. Even the, that one that is not living right, he still has authority over the devil. However, so that he can exercise his authority, he needs to be in a place where the right place he should be. The Bible says, having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. So, am I making an excuse for wrong? No, I'm not. I'm doing the opposite. Amen. But that 
you disqualify yourself from being able to exercise your authority doesn't mean you don't have it. Is that clear? Praise God. Thank you, sir. What can we do to encourage believers to win souls? Well, what are the things we can do? Teach on it, of course. Teach on it, of course. That's one of the things we can do. First, if we know what the gospel really is, and if we really believe it, nobody can stop us from going out to reach the lost. The thing about reaching the lost, too, is that we can reach the lost because we want to populate our church, and God knows that our motive is wrong. It shouldn't be to populate our church. It should be to populate God's family. It should be with the standpoint, if they come to our church, fine. If they don't come to our church, fine. As long as they go to a good Bible-believing church, and our church is one, you know, if the church, whatever church it is you attend, you know, but if they don't come there and go elsewhere, it's okay. As long as they are saved and they go somewhere, they can get grounded. Once we have that kind of heart, then God can trust us to send people our way. Please, is this strictly a pastoral school or church? No, it's not. It's a, ministry, it's a, it's a training center, Bible training center, to train everybody in the word of God and in the Holy Ghost so that we can be more effective believers. We can know who we are as believers and then be equipped to fulfill the plan and the purpose of God for our lives. So it's not just ministers. Everybody can come. Amen. In our level two, we have three streams. So spiritual leadership stream, supportive leadership stream, and societal leadership stream. The supportive leadership, spiritual leadership stream is for pulpit preachers. Fivefold pulpit preachers. The supportive leadership stream is for the associate pastor, the uh children's uh, pastor, the youth pastor, the worship leader, you know, the office staff in the ministry. Then the societal leadership stream, how can I be effective with the great commission as a banker? How can I be effective with the great commission as a businessman? How can I not take bribe? How can I help society and bring my knowledge of God's word to bear in what people call marketplace? Marketplace, in quotes. So that's what that is about. I am an associate pastor in a church. I don't want my senior pastor to know about this school. Would it be okay, would it be right or wrong not to tell him because he may not support it? Well, you know the answer. And it's because you know the answer that you're asking me. Because something is telling you the right thing that you should do. Amen. You know, the thing is this, the way to win your your senior pastor. It's not necessarily by trying to make a fight out of it. Now, there are some cases that are extreme. Extreme. Usually, we get a referral, a personal, you fill your form, you get a, a referral from a, a friend, a personal referral. You get another referral, a work-life referral. Maybe your boss at work, you know, you say, but I've never worked. Okay, you have a lecturer. And, but my lecturers are in Kutuwenji. I can't get to them. Okay, there's somebody who knows you from a work perspective. Maybe you've done something with the person. Maybe you've helped the person deliver something. Something like that. Someone that just knows you from a work perspective. Whatever kind of work that is. And then a, a, a ministerial referral from your pastor or someone the pastor designates. Now, we want to take that. There's the practical ministry requirement, PMR, that you do in your church. You serve in your church 100 hours, which is a part of your training that you must do. You know, in an area, because we are strong about the local church. We believe in the local church. We honor pastors. We believe in what they're doing. Praise God. I'm a member of a local church. I attend a church. There's a pastor in that church. I'm a member there. I'm not in the pastoral team in that church. Are you listening? So we believe in the local church. We're strong about the local church. Praise God. And we will always honor the local church. So you need your pastor's recommendation. Don't do it at his back. The worst is he says, don't go. And if he says, don't go, you can try to appeal to him. Now, there are some extreme cases when we have had to take people without a pastoral recommendation. There are such extreme cases. And I'll give you, you know, there are some people that they were, uh, and I'm not trying to speak down on any sect, but they were Roman Catholics. And their priests wouldn't sign them off. Now, we had to grant certain special waivers in some of those cases. And there are cases like that where we could grant waivers. But don't try to do it through the back door. He will find out. And then when he finds out, he'll feel you violated him. If you don't believe in him strong enough 
to be there, then maybe you should pray about what God wants you to do. If you have to be hiding what you believe and you can't do what you believe because you believe you should do something, your pastor will fight you if you do it. Maybe you might want to think about, Lord, are you leading me, you know, to do something? You know, maybe you want me to help the pastor in some other way other than being his associate or something like that. But just think about that and pray about it. Praise God. And then wisdom is profitable to direct. Amen. Praise God. Please, since the school is planned for January 2019, what is the solution for the things for those who desire to participate but may not likely be in the country by then? Any alternatives? Okay, now, and that's the last one. The thing is this, we're modular. The meaning of modular is that you go at your pace. Supposing you say, I missed this class, I missed that class. Look, it's okay, you go at your pace. The class that you missed, the next time it is taken, you can sit it. You actually have three years to complete one year. And we did it deliberately that way. And then you also have the entire school schedule, which means you can, maybe the class has held in Lagos and it hasn't held in Abuja. You can just go to Abuja, the time it will be taken in Abuja and take it there. We have a central database. And once you take it, your attendance, we are strong about attendance. We are strong about attendance. We are not a Bible school. We are a training center. And so things like attendance, punctuality, the way we dress, some rules we have to abide by, you know. You say, but I thought we are not under the law. Yeah, <laughs> we are not under the law actually. We are under grace. But there is a law for the family of God and it's the law of love. So what we've looked at is that in the light of a school setting, what will the love of God do? How will the love of God behave in class? Supposing you're in class and you're sitting, you know, somewhere in class and you keep your phone on and it starts ringing. Gang, 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 gang. You're not walking in love towards the other people because you're distracting them. You understand? Okay, supposing you come late to class and we let you come late to class. We're not loving you because in years to come, imagine you're invited to preach somewhere and you're meant to start preaching by such and such a time. And for some reason, you slept too long. You now came late. We're not walking in love towards you by not helping you. you. You get the point. You know, if we had enforced it in Bible school, maybe you would have fixed it. You know, you have a child. Your child says, I want to eat candy in the morning. You give him. He says, I want to eat chocomilo in the afternoon. You give him. He says, I want to eat, take sweets for dinner. You give him. Say, I love my child so much. You're not walking in love towards your child. If you love your child, you train the child. Now, in the same way, God will hold us accountable for the people he has brought around to get this training. And we want to make sure, we're not looking for numbers, we're looking for quality. We're looking for graduates, we can say, yes, this fellow is solid, solid believer. He's grounded in the word of God. He knows the Holy Ghost. So, and that's why we do some of those things that way. Those are some that were, I was told to answer. Praise the Lord. Well, we have... Uh, some people in Amis, some, if you're a minister of the gospel and you're here, could you please be on your feet? A minister of the gospel, a pastor, itinerant minister, missionary, evangelist, please could you be up on your feet? Praise God. Let's put our hands together for them. Let's put our hands together for them. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, I certainly don't know everybody. I certainly don't know everybody, but that's Reverend Iyang Okutiyang. There's a, 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 an Hyundai 1X35, KSF 207CN. It needs to be moved immediately. Hyundai 1X35, KSF 207CN. It needs to be moved immediately. Praise the Lord. Reverend Ian Okutiyang, that's um, the husband of our campus coordinator, Reverend Tony Okutiyang. Let's give him a good, good hand. He's a part of our faculty. Uh, and he's a graduate of 1993. I'm not, there might be people here who weren't born then. That's when he graduated in Raymond. There are other ministers. I can see Pastor Taiwo Lemoshe there. Awesome man of God. Let's put our hands together for him. Reverend Femi Adebayo, Pastor Debo Adeshino. Let's put our hands together for them. Pastor Dari Morakinyo, Pastor Shego Kubanjo. And um, I don't know everybody. That's... Um, 
Pastor Sam Oyeleke. Uh, there are some people whose names I don't know. Please pardon me. You know, let's put our hands together for every minister of the gospel. We believe in giving honor to whom honor is due. Amen. Please be seated. That's one of our other graduates also. Praise the Lord. So nice to see him. Amen. And we believe in honoring ministry gifts. We believe in honoring pastors. And like I said, we are not here, you know, to straighten everybody out. Yeah, Rema has now come to say, no, 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 no. That's not what, why we have come. There's already so much wonderful stuff that's going on. We've just come to supply our part and to help towards that so that all of us working together, amen, we can get the work of the master done. So that's the attitude with which we've come. We'll do our best to be honorable to everybody. You know, the Bible says to honor all men. Amen. The Bible says the younger should submit to the elder. We believe in being honorable to everybody. Younger, older, you know, honorable to everybody, especially ministry gifts in the body of Christ. You know, a young child may have as many clothes as the old child, but doesn't have as many rags. Praise God. And then also, there's the team that has done such a fabulous job. Such a fabulous job. Amen. We are so grateful to Reverend Tony. Such an awesome, awesome, awesome job. You know, Brother Gide Lawa. Could they please be on their feet? Let's put our hands together for them. As well as all the volunteers. All the volunteers. Please be on your feet. Let's put our hands together for them. Please, please. Awesome job that they've done. We're so grateful. We're so thankful. We couldn't do this without your help. And we appreciate you. We celebrate you. And we're grateful to God for you. Please be seated. Praise the Lord. Uh, there's um, Reverend Aline Olawanyi there. She's a Tulsa graduate, finished many years ago. She's also a part of our faculty. And there's some other members of our faculty who are also here. Praise God. Well, this is the last session of Believer's Authority. And um, I'll just wrap it up for this taster session. I'll just wrap it up uh, this way. Brother Hagin, in 1950, May of 1950, he heard an audible voice from heaven say, I want you to go teach my people faith. I've taught you faith through my word. I've permitted you to go through certain experiences. You've learned faith both through my word and by experience. Now I want you to go teach my people what I've taught you. I want you to go teach my people faith. Later that same year, September 2nd of 1950, while he was in Rockwall, Texas, he had an unusual experience, a divinely granted appearance. The vision lasted about an hour, 30 minutes. Jesus talked with him about different things. And um, one of the very first things he said to him, he said, just like I appeared to your mother before you were born, and I told her to name you John, which she didn't. But the important thing is not the name you bear, is that you go in the power of the Spirit. Now, he didn't know anything about that. So his mother came to see him about two, three days after that experience. And then he asked his mom, what happened? I had a vision a few days ago. Jesus appeared to me and he said, as his mom was hearing that, she jumped. She said, did he tell you anything about the name? Did she tell you anything about the name? Then she told her side of the story. He was born August 20, 1917. Two days before he was born. His mom, she had been without food. She had an absentee husband who eventually ran off with another woman, Brother Higgins' dad. So he came from a broken home. Yeah, yeah. So when people say ancestral cause, you can see how much of an ancestral cause, you know, <laughs> he has impacted the world with, you know, how somebody with an ancestral cause became a blessing. You know, sometimes people want to blame their problems on their family, on their father, on their mother. And I'm not denying that those things may have an effect. But listen, child of God, you can renew your mind. Amen. You can renew your mind. And a renewed mind will fix those things. And we can walk in love. And God's word can fix us regardless of whatever family you came from. You're born with a silver spoon a wooden spoon, a golden spoon, or you weren't even born with any spoon. doesn't matter. If you'll apply yourself to the word, the word of God will put you over. Well, and eventually she was going to her folks just to get some help because of the child. She was also sick. And then all of a sudden, 
to cut the long story short, Jesus appeared to her and told her, fear not, the baby shall be born. His name shall be called John. For just as John the Baptist was a forerunner on my first coming, he'll be a forerunner on my second coming. See, when Jesus told him that in 1950, he never said it out publicly. Never did. Never did. He never did. Because the kind of person he was, he wouldn't draw attention to himself. Two years before he died, then he said it out in details that nobody had ever heard. You know, when he said that, you should have seen the way the audience went. It was camp meeting 2001. Thursday night. Everybody just went, <gasps> you know. And then he said this. He said, that's not just me. He said, that's the purpose of Rehema. That's why we exist. We're one school in 50 nations. The person who's heading, leading the Rehema family now is Pastor Kenneth W. Hagen. He is the one who actually put Rehema together in the first place. He fixed the curriculum. He put it together from the beginning He's the one that built Rhema. All that Brother Hagin did is say, the Lord said we should do this. You know, Pastor Hagin said he always used to wonder who we was. When the man would say, we are going to, we are going to, he said, eventually he found out who we was, that he was the we. Who should see to it, he gets it done. Praise God. So, um, that's why we, we exist. To help towards Jesus' coming. And that's the essence of the message of faith. Not just to line up our pockets. Not just to have big bank accounts and drive big cars. Now, God is not opposed to us living well. He's a good God. He lives well too in heaven. The streets there are in gold. So, money doesn't freak him out. Wealth doesn't make him nervous. But you see, it's not about wealth. It's about people. It's about people. Amen. God is interested in the lost. And he wants believers to be equipped so we know who we are in Christ. And so we can help this Get this job done and usher in Jesus' return. It's good we have that. Keep it in perspective all the time. Well, Jesus then told him he will appear to him again. 1952, December. He was in this church. He was ministering. He was in the pastor's kitchen that evening. And um, he knelt down to pray. When all of a sudden he was caught up in a cloud. You know, the glory of God. And then Jesus stood there and Jesus said to him, I want to talk to you about the devil, demons, and demon possession. Now, we don't build doctrine on experience. We build doctrine on the Bible. But you know, God gave gifts to men. And one of the gifts he gave is the office of the prophet. Praise God. And God can bring revelation in line with his word for the body of Christ. Amen. Well, there are four parts of that vision. I'll mention just one part. There's just one part of it we talk about in Believer's Authority 1. The other three parts of it, we talk about it in our uh, second level Believer's Authority course. The other three parts of that vision. First part, one, the part of it I'm going to talk about, as the Lord was talking to him, all of a sudden, there was this demon that came and stood between Jesus and Brother Hagin. And as the demon stood there, it brought a dark cloud with it. And then the demon began to make funny noises. Yakety yak, 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 yakety yak. And just continue like that. Said so the funny thing is, Jesus just continued talking. Just continued talking. As if, you know, he didn't know what was happening. Just continued. Said he was wondering, can Jesus see that I'm not hearing him? Important instruction is given to me from the word of God about how to deal with the devil. Can Jesus do something about this? Said finally, out of desperation, when Jesus he didn't do anything about it, he pointed to the demon and said, Shut up in the name of Jesus. When he did, the thing fell like a sack of salt on the floor. You know, flop, hit the floor like that. And when he did, you know, Jesus looked at him and said, do you know if you had not done something about that, I could not. Uh, he said, I know I'm not hearing you well. Maybe because it's nighttime. Hmm? Maybe uh, some words are not coming out correctly. I know you didn't say you couldn't do something about that. I know what you really were saying and what you must have really said is that if I had not done something about that, you wouldn't have because you wanted me to be the one to do something about it. Jesus said, no, that's not what I said. If you had not done something about that, talking about the demon that caught away the communication that was bringing the obstacle, the adverse circumstance, you know, the troubles. If you had not done something about that, I could not. They dragged it back and forth. About the fourth time, Jesus said to him emphatically, if you had not done something about that, I could not. He said, well, I can see you talking to me. I can hear you talking to me. But you see, this one you just said, 
you're going to have to give me chapter and verse for it. Because this is a more sure word of prophecy. The written word. It's surer than a voice from heaven. It's surer than a visitation from Jesus. You must show me in the Bible. And if you can't show me scripture, I can't accept it. At least two or three witnesses from the New Testament. Now, you will have thought Jesus will get angry with him. Me, I'm telling you something. You're telling me one word, one book somewhere said, I'm this is God talking to you. No, that wasn't Jesus' reaction. He smiled at him. He was pleased with him. He said, you know what? You want two or three, I'll give you one more. I'll give you four. You know, said to the Lord. He said, look, I've read through the New Testament 150 times. The man read the New Testament 150 times in his first five years of being a Christian. That's 30 times a year. That's once every two and a half weeks. That's quite some reading. He said, and portions of it I've read more times than that. If there's anything like that in there, I don't know it. Jesus said, there's a whole lot in there you don't know. And that's the truth for all of us. See, the more we know, the more we realize how much more there is to be known. You see, the Bible says knowledge puffs up. Knowledge, uh, love edifies. I looked up the word knowledge there in the Greek. It's the word gnosis. One of the shades of meaning of gnosis is partial insight into truth. Anytime anybody is all puffed up about so-called knowledge they seem to have, they don't really know it like they should. Revelation knowledge will humble you. In the Old Testament, the king was to have a copy of the law and he was to read it every day. And one of the reasons he was to read it is to stay humble. So the knowledge of God's word, if it's revelation knowledge, will not make you proud. If you are proud, you don't know it like you should. Well, he said, the first witness is going to give him was he himself. Matthew 28, 18 and 19. When Jesus was on the earth, he said, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Now, that word power there is the word exousia. And exousia actually means authority. All authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. And then Jesus didn't stop there. If you stop there, you'll say, yes, Jesus, you've got all the authority. You know, there's one denomination in this country that prays, God, rebuke the devil for us. God, rebuke the devil for us. You know, all the spirits that don't make somebody succeed. If you're saying Coca-Cola, are you saying Coca-Cola? If you want to drink Coca-Cola, go and drink Coca-Cola. Which one is a me? Coca-Cola. You know, but some languages are funny sometimes. You know, and humorous too. You know, somebody said, I mean, interpret that for you. Oh God, all the rats in my life. God, turn into a cat. God is not about to turn into a cat. And I'm telling you, people pray these prayers. Ridiculous prayers. You know, oh God, rebuke the devil for me. Rebuke the devil for me. You're wasting your time. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and in earth is given to me. In the next verse, verse 19, he now said, go therefore and teach all nations. You see, he delegated all his authority to the church. He delegated it to us. Now, um, we talk about the synoptic gospels. We say the four gospels. Really, there's only one gospel. It was told through four different people. In Mark's account of this same great commission, Mark brings out some parts of it that Matthew did not record. So this is still that first witness of Jesus. And it's still the same incident. Mark's rendition of it is said in verse 17 of Mark 16. And these signs shall follow or shall accompany them that believe, the believing ones. The first of them was, in my name shall they cast out devils. said, the way Jesus even quoted it to him was, in my name shall they exercise authority over the devil. So you see, that's the first witness. Yes, Jesus defeated the devil. He brought him to naught. He stripped Satan of the authority that Adam gave him. Stripped him of it. said in Revelation 1, 18 and 19, I'm he that was dead and now I'm alive. And behold, I'm alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and of hell. See, whoever has the keys is the authorized one. And Jesus is the authorized one. Amen. So all authority was given to him. But he turned around and delegated it to the church. And said, guys, go in my name. Meet the devil on the road, check him out. Amen. So you see, that's the first witness. Notice he didn't say, ask God to do something about the devil. For a Christian to pray to God, for God to do something about the devil in his life is for him to waste his time. Stop doing it. Take authority over the devil yourself. Because we've got the authority. So the second witness Jesus gave him was James. 
James 4, 7, where the Bible says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, God is not going to resist the devil for us. He's not the one that the devil is attacking. We are the ones who are to do something about the devil. And what are we to do? We are to resist him. I checked up the word resist. One translation actually brings out to withstand him. My uh, a note in the Royal New Testament. To withstand the devil. To stand against him. Amen. To oppose vigorously. See, we've got the authority. We can put the devil on the run. He says, resist the devil. And what's the devil going to do? Stay there? No, he will flee from you. One dictionary says, flee means to run away from as in terror. You see, the devil is scared to his wits of you, of me. Not because of who we are in the flesh, but because we're in Christ. He's scared of the name of Jesus. Because the power is in the name. The authority is in the name. And that name belongs to us. And we can resist the devil. We can resist the devil. See, sometimes when we hear resist the devil, we're waiting until you, have, you see this creature that has a tail, has a pitchfork, has long horns, before we start resisting. You may never see that. I read some of those Jack Chick comics in the 80s that they depicted the devil like that. But you may not see some, something like that. Listen, when sickness tries to lay siege on your body, that's the devil that's bringing it. Resist it. When fear comes at you, that's the devil bringing that. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. If he hasn't given it to us, then it must come from some other source. And listen, you don't have fear in you. Stop saying, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. You may say, I'm tempted to fear, but you don't have to give in to the temptation. Resist it. Resist it. You can stand against it. Why? We've got authority over the devil. A temptation to sin comes. You don't have to fall, yakata, like a pack of cards. You can stand your ground. You can stand your ground. Just tell the devil, no, I stand against you. A temptation to be sick, stand against it. To walk in lack, stand against it. We've got the name of Jesus. And the power is in the name. The authority is in the name. Peter was the third witness that Jesus gave him. And First um, Peter 5, 8 and 9. And this is what's interesting. So Jesus said to him that when Peter wrote his letter, that Peter did not say, the word has come to us, that our beloved brother Paul is sending out handkerchiefs and aprons. They are being sent to the sick and the diseases are leaving them. The demons are leaving them. Why don't you guys write him a letter? So he sent you one of those handkerchiefs. And as a result, you'll be able to deal with the devil in your life. I'm quoting Jesus. Yeah. His brother Higgins said that's what Jesus told him. That Peter did not write like that. Now, is there a place for ministering to the sick? Yes. The healing anointing can be transmitted into cloth. It can. Acts 19, 11 and 12. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. So that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs and aprons. And the diseases departed from them and the evil spirits went out of them. Yes, is that scriptural? It is. But listen, you don't need that. You don't need that. You don't have to get that. The truth is, if you are born again, you've got authority over the devil. And you can deal with the devil in your life. Yes, I know there will always be baby Christians in the body. There will always be those who have to be ministered to on a lower level. And that's okay for them. But we don't have to stay there. You know, rather than looking for who to carry you, why don't you look for who you can carry? See, sometimes, as ministers, we tend to build our churches, our ministries around us and around the anointing that is on our lives. And yes, God uses men. He anoints men. Praise God for that. But this is the problem. If you don't teach those people who they are in Christ, they will forever be spiritual hitchhikers. Just, I beg, I feel get lift from you. I feel get lift from you. That's what they'll do all their lives. We need to teach people to have a faith of their own, to have a prayer life of their own, to know for themselves that the word of God works. To be able to stand on God's word. If before this person travels, come say, is the road clear? Before that person goes on, takes the job, he says, is God saying this? The truth is, you're going to turn into a witch. You're going to manipulate their lives. The Bible doesn't say as many as are led by other people. It's as many as are led by the spirit of God. And then what will happen is this. You'll pray the prayer of faith for some of them and they'll get healed. But after some time, once they've had time and exposure to the word, God expects more from them. You'll now start praying for some of them and nothing will happen. And then they will think you are backsliding. 
But it's not that you're backsliding. It's just that they, sh- they are the ones who are not growing. And you are not helping them to grow. You see, sometimes our spiritual nurseries are filled with babies. With the bottle in their mouth. Spiritually speaking, you can be a 35-year-old with a bottle in your mouth. You know, uh, so-and-so took my bottle. So-and-so is in my court. I won't go to that church again. The pastor didn't come to see me. You know, we need to outgrow that. And how are we going to outgrow it? Through the knowledge of God's word. We need to let people know who they are. The sincere milk of the word will get us to grow up. So he says, be sober, be vigilant. First Peter 5, 8 and 9. For your adversary, the devil, your opponent, the one arrayed against you, goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Listen, the devil can devour you if you let him. That's the truth. We shouldn't be ignorant of his devices. Well, you know what? I decided long ago he's not going to devour me because I won't let him. And I know he's not going to devour you either because you won't let him. He may be going about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9 says, and there was somebody who will always quote that thing to me. And you tell me that, you know, the devil is bad. I will always feel like Satan, but the person was older, so I respected the person. Every time, something on the inside of me was like, Say, but that's not where the verse ends. Verse 9 says, home resists. Steadfast in the faith. In your faith. American Standard Version. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. See, we can resist him. He's not irresistible. It's the word of God that's irresistible. And we are to resist him steadfast in our faith. And the last witness Jesus gave him was Paul. I've always wondered why he put it in that order. I may have a few reasons why I think he might have, but I think about those things. Ephesians 4.27, he says, neither give place to the devil. That means you can give place to the devil. The devil can take place in your life if you let him. But that also means if you don't let him, he can't take any place in your life. Whether he takes a place in your life or not is not God's responsibility. It's not even the devil's responsibility. It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility. Because we've got authority over the devil. We've got authority over the devil. Let's meditate in these truths. It won't just work because somebody said it. It won't just work because you heard somebody say it. You know? I remember when I saw this. There were two members of my family that were tough to get saved. Two of them. Two of them. One was my dad. The other was my elder brother. Tough, tough, tough. It felt like if my brother could get saved, you almost want to think maybe the devil too can get saved. I mean, it was like that. My God, he just wasn't open to the gospel. You know? And you see, I'm the kind of person I like to prove stuff. I like to prove it. What did I do? I meditated, spent some extra time, muttered some of the scriptures to myself, read them again, fed on them again, just build them on the inside of me. And then I got up. And then I said, in the name of Jesus, I break the power of the devil over so-and-so's life. I took them one by one, my elder brother, my dad. I claim his deliverance and full salvation in Jesus' name. See, once I said it once, that was it. My elder brother used to make fun of me that I've gone to join the SUs. That I will see that I can't last. You went to join those, what nonsense. He used to make fun of me. And then I'll just smile, you know. So he said that. And I let it be. The interesting thing is that the next holiday he was talking in tongues. You know, he was the one that didn't last. Now, of course, sometimes getting them to grow up is a different ball game. But we can break the power of the devil over the lives of our unsaved loved ones. See, so 2 Corinthians 4 4 says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The prodigal son. In Luke 15, 17, the Bible says, when he came to himself, when he came to himself, he said, how many servants, hired servants of my father's have enough bread and to spare? And here I perish with hunger. He said, I will arise and go to my father's house and say, I've sinned against heaven and in thy side and I'm not worthy to be called one of thy sons. Make me as one of thy hired servants. He had his speech, his recital, but he never got to read the speech. Amen. But you notice, it says when he came to himself, which meant he wasn't in his right mind when he did those things. See, nobody in his right mind will go through life serving the devil, living for the devil, and plunge into eternity that way. Nobody that is right thinking will do that. But the fellow who was drunk, who was doped, who was on drugs could do it because they're not thinking straight. 
In the same way, Satan has blinded the minds of these ones. But you know what? We have authority over the devil. And we can break Satan's hold over their lives. Now, let me explain something here though. You see, we don't have authority over human wills. We have authority over demon spirits. Most people, when Satan's hold over their mind, over their life is broken, then they can now make an intelligent decision themselves. And usually, most of the, excuse me, most of the time, they will choose Jesus. But let me also tell you, there are going to be some folks that won't. I'll just tell you ahead of time. In 1 Corinthians 7, Paul was talking about one spouse who's saved, the other one who's not saved. One wants to depart or one wants to chase the other one. It says, you don't have to depart if the, if the spouse, the unbelieving spouse is pleased to dwell with you. It says, for you don't know whether it's going to be through you that one will get saved. Now, if you could always get the unbelieving spouse saved, he wouldn't have said that. He would have said, just believe God. But you see, faith cannot override free will. I just need to put that out. We can break Satan's hold over people so they can make their own decision. And they can now, and most of the time, they will make the right decision. But just know this. That's the best we can do. We can manipulate somebody else's will. Are you listening to me? You see, sometimes we talk about dominion. But what is dominion? Does dominion mean you walk somewhere and you must dominate everybody there? No, that's not dominion. That's ungodly. That's manipulation. We can't dominate our fellow man. We shouldn't. We should love him. Yeah, of course. The Bible says I'll make him the head and not the tail. Be above only and not beneath. So, we can be the head anywhere we are. We can be the best. But it's not about dominating other people. Dominating their wills. The love of God came to destroy that. Amen. We don't have authority over somebody else's will. 2 Corinthians 1.24 Says not we have not that we have dominion over your faith. Says but we are helpers of your joy, for by faith ye stand. Faith will never override free will. Remember, one of our graduates called me one time. He was so sad, so sad. I said, "What's the matter?" He said, "His mom." I said, "What happened to her?" He said, "She died." He said, "But I believed God that she will live. I don't know what happened, but she died." And I asked him a question: What did your mom believe? What did your mom want? He said, eh, she said she was going to die. I said, glory to God. It worked. She got what she wanted. She's in heaven. Oh, jumping up and down streets of gold. Far better for her. Amen. You see, the principle of faith is never according to my faith be it unto you. It's always according to your faith be it unto you. For a bona fide baby Christian, we can carry a bona fide baby Christian on our faith. Sometimes, many times, my mom will call me, such and such, such and such, pray. I'll say, okay, this is what's going to happen, and I'll just speak in faith, and it'll happen just like that. You see, there are certain situations where we can use our authority in the lives of our loved ones. You know, up to a certain radius. If you remember my family, up to a certain radius, I can get some things to work for you, at least a certain number of times. Beyond that, I will need your agreement. Amen. I'll need your agreement. And if I can't get it, I can't help you. And it's the same. Amen. It's important we understand that. It's important we understand that. That's why we need to teach people God's word. That's why even with your family members, get them exposed to truth so that they can be built up. See, the Bible talks about the armor that we are to put on as Christians. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. Notice it doesn't say be strong in yourself. Well, to be strong in the Lord. In the Lord and in the power of his might. What does it mean to be strong in the Lord? To be strong in the Lord is to be strong in the word. Because he is the word. The written word is given to unveil the living word to us. But notice, we're not only to be strong in the Lord. We're also to be strong in the power of his might. What is the power of his might? Or better put, who is the power of his might? Acts 1.8 says, well, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. The Amplified Bible says, but well, you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, might. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. See, the power of God's might is the Holy Ghost. So we are to be strong in the word and put the word first. And also we are to be strong in the Holy Ghost. Amen. He now says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Amen. That you may be able to stand against all the wilds of the devil. Verse 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, 
but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Or like the margin puts it, wicked spirits in the heavenlies. Yes, those are the four categories of spirits. According to Strong's Concordance, the principalities are the lowest herb of them. Then powers, that's the hierarchy. Amen. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that the devil and you, you're in the, you know, ring, WWF, and then he gives you a full body slam, and then yeah, he's trying to count you out, trying to give you a pinfall, one, two, but because your father is a referee, your father looks away and says, no, I won't count that three yet, and his, your father goes as a referee and he cheats, and he helps you stand up, you know, that's the idea sometimes we paint, you know, or you and the devil, you're in the ring, you know, we're wrestling. We're wrestling against principalities and then he gives you a left jab. He gives him a right. He gives you an uppercut. Oh my God, the points are 54, 72, 72. The devil has 72. What are we going to do now? What are we going to do? Look, we're not doing that kind of wrestling with the devil. That same book of Ephesians, that same Holy Ghost that inspired that same Paul to say that, had just gone through telling us in chapter 1 that we are seated together with Jesus at the right hand of the Father. And the same verb that expresses the reviving of Christ expresses the reviving of his body. Chapter 2 verse 1 says, And you hath he quickened. Hath he quickened is in italics. So it actually says, And you. And you what? Verse 20. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. And you who are dead in trespasses and sins. So when he was raised, you were raised. Paul had already said that. So it's in the context of that that he's now saying we wrestle not against flesh and blood. He's just trying to tell us, look, stop seeing the enemy, you know, is your mother-in-law. The enemy is that your so-called competition whose shop is next to your own in the place where you walk. That's not the enemy. The devil is the enemy. Amen. But we are not wrestling with physical forces. There are spiritual forces behind the scenes that manipulate these ones. Amen. Verse 13 now says, Wherefore put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. He now says, And having done all to stand, stand therefore. Sometimes believers say, I've done everything I know to do. The problem is still not going. Let me tell you what to do now. Having done all to stand, keep standing. That's all. Just stand your ground. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. He says, Having your loins girt about with truth. So there's the girdle of truth. You see, we're talking about the pieces of our armor. What does that girdle represent? You see, God's word is truth. It represents a clear-cut understanding of the word of God. And like the Roman soldier, the belt, it helps keep all the pieces of the armor in place. It says, and having on the breastplate of righteousness protects the heart. Vital organs there in the chest. What does the breastplate of righteousness, what's that speaking of? See, Jesus is our righteousness. The day you got born again, you came into Christ. You became the righteousness of God in him. And then secondly, that also speaks of our active obedience to the word of God. It says our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. A faithful ministry in proclaiming the word of God. It says above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith he shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. See, thank God for faith in the blood of Jesus. Through which we have complete safety from all the fiery darts of the enemy. And the helmet of salvation, renewing our minds with God's word, praise God. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. All the pieces of the armor are defensive. This is the only offensive weapon. And really, I think if this was written in today, it would have been perhaps called the gun of the spirit. It was because it was written in a day where they had swords. That's why it was called the sword of the spirit. You see, God's word is our sword. Let's learn to use it. The sword of the spirit, which is the rhema of God. The spoken word of God. See, some people go into this force about a logos and a rhema and they mess themselves up. You know, sometimes people say, well, unless you have a rhema, wait until God gives you a rhema. Let God give you a rhema word. The truth is that the logos is the sum total of all of God's rhemas. And the logos of God, Hebrews 4.12, is a living thing. Find the scripture that covers your case. You know, sometimes we preachers, we want to preach and then we say, oh God... As we put out your word today, I ask that you breathe upon it. That's unnecessary. The Bible is already God-breathed. All scripture is given by the inspiration. It's inspired. The one you should do 
It's to pray that what you will say is the word of God. Because if it's the word of God, it's God breathed. You don't have to ask him to breathe on it. It's breathed on. It's inspired. It's quickened. I want God to quicken a word to me. This is a book of quickened words. 1,189 chapters of quickened words. Every chapter there is quickened. Find the scripture that covers your case. No doubt, sometimes God can quicken a verse to your spirit. God can quicken a word to your heart. No doubt. Amen. But then you will still need to mix faith with it and act on it. But without him quickening anything, and you see, I've done this on purpose. I've experimented. Are you listening? Sometimes I'll just say, okay, this situation, which scripture should I use this time? Mm, I used 1 Corinthians 1.30 that time. Okay, let me use this one this time. I've done it like that. And guess what? I got the same results every time. It will work. So when he says the rhema of God, he's talking about the spoken word of God. We need to speak it. That's how we use that sword. Build it into your spirit, then speak it out of your spirit. It's the word of God. And he now says in verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. See, the way we get strong in the Lord is by being strong in the word. The way we get strong in the power of God's might is by being strong in the Holy Ghost. And how do we get strong in the Holy Ghost? James 5.16 says, Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effective of having prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The Emperor Bible says the continued earnest heartfelt prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. If you are filled with the Holy Ghost, you've got the powerhouse in you. In actual fact, you are the power's house. Amen. So what do you do? Generate power. How? Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. You see, we are not going under. We are going over. Nigeria is not going to the dogs. It won't happen. 2019 is not going to be a time of bloodshed. It won't happen. If you have that kind of picture, forget it. It will not happen. Why will it not happen? I will not let it happen. You will not let it happen. We will not let it happen. Why won't we let it happen? Because we will exercise our authority. See, the Bible says, by the mouth of the wicked, the city is overthrown. Amen. See, our words have a lot to do with our city. Have a lot to do with our nation. Us using our authority. See, these things are not just things that we just say so that we make noise and disturb our neighbor in the night. We don't let him sleep because you are binding and casting and losing and binding. No. They are things we use in our day-to-day living. And the object of this is not just so that I can be blessed. Really, so that we can be a blessing to somebody else. Let's rise up as a church. Let's take our place in Christ. Let's exercise the authority we have as believers. See, there's no truth that the devil fights like the truth of the authority of the believer. He hates it because he wants to keep having heyday and high carnival in our lives. But he's not going to do that. When you begin to come to the knowledge of some of these things, he does his best to try to obscure that light. He will bring circumstances. He will try to attack your spirit, attack your soul, attack your body, attack your family, attack your finances, attack the circumstances of your life. But we can remain undefeated. We can remain undefeated. Amen. Now, um, sometimes in some of these tasters, we minister to people as well as put out God's word. Now, I'll tell you something. We're not just word, 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 word only in Rema. What makes Rema Rema? First is the word, but secondly, the Holy Ghost. We've had outstanding healings, outstanding miracles, outstanding, outstanding, outstanding happen. Sometimes in class, sometimes manifestations of the spirit. We have special meetings for some of those things where some of those things happen. We are strong about the move of the spirit. Praise God. We're strong about that. So sometimes in these taster sessions, we endeavor to do that. And some other times, uh, we, we do them a, a bit differently. Praise God. Now, if you're here and you need a healing in your body, I want you to stand on your feet. Amen. I don't need to lay a hand on you. I don't need to pray for you. You need a healing in your body. I want you to stand on your feet. Now, you've been hearing about the authority we have as believers. What about us exercising it? Now, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to Stand with these ones. Amen. And let's all just say this together. Now, if you are one of those who need a healing, it will work and you need to say it. And don't just say it because I said say it. Say it because you believe it. Amen. Now, if you don't need a healing, still say it all the same. Because God's word is not only curative medicine, it's also preventive medicine that will keep you healthy. Let's say this together. In the name of Jesus, I have authority over the devil. I have authority over sickness. 
I have authority over disease. Satan, take your filthy hands off my body. In the name of Jesus, I stand my ground. Now, there's somebody right here, lower part of your abdomen, right there, right there, where I'm touching now. That's where the discomfort is. The power of God is working on it right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Just where you are. Right now. Just where you are. Then there's somebody that had something put in your body. I don't know whether it's a, a metal or something was put in your body. Listen, God is in the business of doing creative miracles. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen things vanish and something get created there. God does stuff like that. He made the body in the first place. You ought to have some spare parts. Don't you think so? Amen. Praise God. He's the healer. He's the healer. Say with me in the name of Jesus. I am healed. From the top of my head. To the soles of my feet. I am healed. Someone with uh, uh, some rheumatic pains. The power of God is surging through your back. Yeah, surging through your back now. And you are made whole. You are made whole. You are made whole. You are made whole. There's somebody you should not be able to have a child, but you will. You will. You will. There's medical reason why you can't have a child. But, well, God does miracles. You will. You will. You will. You will. We had a taster the other time. There was this couple, six years, couldn't have a child. They were told you can't have a child. Normally, it's not possible. Well, that may have been what the doctor said. But what does the word say? Praise God. <laughs> that four days after the taster, the lady took in. Four days after the taster, she took in. Why? Because she believed God's word. The word of God walks. The word of God walks. Praise the Lord. You could be seated. Amen. Amen. Then all of us, let's say together, I've got authority over the devil. And I will exercise it. I'm not defeated. I am a victor. Do you believe that? Why don't you lift up your hands and give God a shout of praise? For more information and inquiries, please visit our website www.remanigeria.com or you can reach us on. 08100163948 or 08076576163